Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today we're talking about the responsibility of parents to pass on a biblical worldview. I know we talk a lot about worldview and we'll keep talking about it, frankly, because it's important. But it's really interesting to me to learn that while 53% of parents believe that it's their responsibility Mm -hmm. to pass on a biblical worldview, you've got 25% of parents. Oh, and by the way, born again parents. So very Mm. specific group of parents. You've got 25% of born again parents who believe it's the school's responsibility to pass on a biblical worldview to their children. Wow. So I mean, mean, shocking. Christian schools? Because what what schools are they talking about? (laughs) You're so generous. Like, I just, I don't know how you get there. A public school, a government public school, I don't think they're going to pass on any type of biblical worldview. So uh, I guess they would be be meaning Christian schools that they're sending their children to because... Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's quite generous. I, Man, that's, look, that's to amazing Barner's to me. Quedit, quedit. <laughs> to Barna's credit, credit. To Barna's credit. To Barna's credit, though, he doesn't say Christian schools. He just says born-again parents, 25% of them, about a quarter of them, believe that it's the responsibility of the schools to pass on a biblical worldview. Wow. Um, but I will say this, because if you're looking for solace in the fact that it's Christians and you would say that maybe they mean Christian schools, only 3% of those born-again Christians believe that it would be the church's duty. To pass on biblical worldview. Wow. So I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I do think that, you know, having 53% of parents who believe that it's their responsibility that's, is a good that's, start. That's a good start. Um, but I think we got to talk about how we have come to believe that it's the school's responsibility to shape worldview in mm, our kids. Man. And then we've got to also ask the question, what will that shape look like? Like, what are the yeah. schools actually doing? And so we got some receipts here to talk about mm. um, the fact that schools are still up to what we suspect that they're up to, even mm. in the state's where they say they have banned certain teaching. Um, They're not doing it in practice. It's not happening. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. But first, some culture-proof housekeeping. Yes, help us to grow. Uh, Make sure you share uh, with with a friend, a family, a church member. We appreciate you sharing the podcast. If it has blessed you, uh, pass it on. Pass it on. And also, give it a a five-star rating. Uh, that would truly help us out to get traction to the podcast so mm-hmm. people can uh, check us out, you know, put them, put us on their radar. Yeah. And so we would love you if you did that. And also leave comments. We thank you for being so engaged. Uh, we get comments all the time, whether it's through Podbean or whatever, uh, the platform, mm-hmm. you know, uh, comments come in and we appreciate that. So stay engaged. Thank you so much. I think the young people say um, it would put us on the map. But well, maybe that was, that's young people when we were young. Yeah, I don't know. Now the young people probably say um, you can find, like, shows up in GPS, maybe. <laughs> okay, I don't you know. You know, there are certain towns that if you go to those towns and you, you they tell you, don't put it in your GPS, you're, you're, you're not going to find us, right? Like, the <laughs> GPS doesn't even know how to get there. Yeah. Um, we're probably like that until you give <laughs> us a five-star rating. Then now Damn. you can say, hey, Siri. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's that's what we want. We want to say, hey, Siri, play Culture Proof. <laughs> yes. And then it starts to play. Sorry if I just messed anybody up. Oh, that sounds um, so good, dude. Here's yeah. Daughter of Zion by Winston Reedy on Apple Music. <laughs> oh, wow. Siri is like part of the show. Uh, okay. Uh, that was weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Can we disable her? Like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't see <laughs> you can't see um, that my phone when I I won't say it again. <laughs> right. Man, AI, AI. Man, man it, they're everywhere. Um, she heard me call her name, and so she was like, "Hey, <laughs> all around you." <laughs> like what? 
<laughs> like, you need me? Oh, like, boy. Uh, no. Wow. Okay. Anyway, I don't even, I don't know what's being played here. I didn't even request <laughs> like a specific, I, I you think her, it's you culture proof, but yeah. anyway. I was um, just saying, you know, it sounds good. It rolls off the tongue. Say play culture proof. That sounds, that yes. sounds really good. You know? Yes. Let's not ask her this no, time because we, uh, we just, yeah. Um, Wow. Anyway, all of this would have uh, <laughs> would have gone swimmingly if I had just um, chosen to stick to the script, right? And, and the script is also thank you for your financial support. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for helping us to continue doing what we're doing. Um, I have to say, it truly, in in very humbling fashion, um, we were just saying this morning that we are so grateful for the blessings of the Lord, and Amen. it's not just limited to the financial blessings that have poured in from the body of Christ to say, "Hey, Will, hey, Miki, please keep doing what you guys are doing." Um, your financial support says that the work is seen and that it is a blessing, Amen. but also, man, your words of encouragement, your emails, your messages on Facebook and Instagram have just really meant so much to us. The encouragement yeah. that the content is valuable to you, that the yeah. content means something. And, and there are people who have reached out to us to say, Hey, I just want to pop, I just want to pop in and say, please don't stop making content. Like, yeah. please don't stop. And and that's really an encouragement to us. So we want to say thank really you for is. that. Thank you so much. That that helps us to know that we're hitting the mark. You yeah. Know, praise God for that because we pray that when we open these mics that the Lord will use us and that we will speak uh, what he desires for us to speak. Absolutely. So you can learn more about supporting us, um, even your words of encouragement. Like when you post and you comment under the things that we're putting out there, all of that means a lot. Yeah. But uh, financially speaking, you can go to cultureproof.net. And if you wanted to mail in support, we also have a post office box. It's P.O. Box 1269 in Salt. Tillo, Mississippi, 38866. That's S-A-L-T-I-L-L-O, P.O. Box 1269. Sotillo, Mississippi, 38866. We really appreciate you. All right, now let's get into our content. So mm -hmm. I was really surprised to read that you've got 25% of born-again Christians who believe that it's the school's job to shape worldview in their kids. Now, again, yeah. I, I love that 53% of born-again parents believe it's their job. Yeah. to shape worldview. I think yes. that's that's where we need to be. That's, this is what, according to scripture, the Lord has in mind. Like you you don't see, right. um, you know, just sort of like these non-faced entities that are responsible for shaping our kids or for passing on the knowledge of God. It's given to parents. You know, right. you talk a lot about Psalm 78. Then of course there's Deuteronomy 6, like all of these right, things right. that point to the parents' responsibility of passing on the knowledge of God, even in how our kids view the world in which they live mm -hmm. and how they filter that through biblical conviction, right? Yeah. Like what does God's word say about how we live and how we behave in any culture at any time? But what is shocking to me is that you have a quarter of parents who believe that it's the school's responsibility to shape worldview in their kids. And I'm wondering, Will the Great, how do mm. you think we may have gotten to this point? I think 25% is still a high number. That is high. That's high. I think it's uh, the whole thing of seeing the teachers and school administrators as experts. But mm. as far as biblical worldview, I don't really get that. You know, as Christians, I don't see how, especially knowing the things I feel like we know and mm -hmm. we see the things that we see, how we can entrust that to um, to schools. Yeah. So I think it's not seeing, like seeing those, those, <clears throat> those folks as experts and almost having this opinion of ourselves that we can't do it. Oh, man. Okay, so I think you're making a grand point there. I, I think it's twofold. And I think it's precisely what you just said. I think it's seeing the schools 
as the experts and and how do we get there? Well, when you're constantly told that you cannot possibly be the expert in your kid's life, right. that you don't have what it takes to shape your kid's understanding, right. to teach your kid, at least not past the age of five. Like you, you got it up until five, right? Like yeah. you can, you can teach how to use certain words and you can teach maybe how to go to the potty. If you can teach that, because <laughs> Lord knows we're struggling. Ugh. I need an expert. Um, <laughs> but like you are told that there are certain things that you can do. But then when your kid reaches the age of five, you need to call in the experts. You add to that, you add to that, this kind of sentiment that is also replicated in the church mm. that you can't teach your kid. Your kid has to go to Sunday school mm. and you don't participate in that. So it's like you send your kid to Sunday school and then you send your kid to youth group. And then you send your young adult to the young adult class. And so in all of these ways, what gets reinforced is that the parent right. really is only good for bringing the kid into the world. But then after that, there's nothing else that you are capable of doing. Like, think yeah. about the weight of that. Yeah. And I think because we are prone to, like, let someone else do it, I think churches mm. are going to really have to um, consider how to link parents and their children as far as church activities. Yes. You know, because it's easy to drop your, your child off and say, okay, they, they have them. They're, mm -hmm. they're going to teach them. But, man, there should be some involvement by the parents and their children within the church, maybe a program set up to where the parents have to be there too. You know, it's not just a drop-off. Mm -hmm. It's not It's not just, you know, uh, they're going to handle it. But kind of maybe, and maybe even uh, training parents that, and encouraging mm -hmm. parents that they can do this. You know, I, I know there's a church in Texas who, ha who uh, had us out, and they had a parents' conference. Oh, yeah. You know, and it, we'll be doing that again. Yes, um, beginning of the year, I think. Yeah, but I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. You want you want your, your families to be connected. Um, you know, you don't want uh, the church to be seen as the outsourcing place. Yes. And and so give all the responsibilities to the youth pastor and their workers. Man, this is this has been given to parents first. Yeah, I think that's some real practical wisdom there, Will the Great. Like when you start talking about how we bridge the gap between parents and youth ministers and kids. Like how, how do we show the kids that their parents are still vital and still necessary in helping yeah. to shape worldview, a biblical worldview specifically? I think it's important to, to consider how we bring them together because when we, when we disconnect the parents from the kids, we reinforce in both the kid and the parent mm. that the parents are incapable. Right. So the parent operates as if, they are incapable right. or the parents operate as if they are incapable and the kids operate as if the parents are incapable. Mm -hmm. And so then they begin to seek authorities outside of the parents because they're like, well, my mom and dad really are not good for much. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. they feed me and have a place to sleep, but like outside of that, as far as like my intellect, um, as far as, far as my worldview shaping, mm -hmm. my theology, my doctrine, that is farmed out to someone else in every area. Yeah. And I think now look, cause I think this is so important. Parents do themselves a disservice if they believe that all of the questions can be answered by them. Mm. Right? right. So the Lord has provided teachers. The Lord has provided right. those who are students in certain areas that, you know, maybe they have studied and given themselves long form study of a subject that they would, you would benefit learning from them. Yeah. The problem is that what we often do with our kids is sort of like put them in a basket and then present them to those teachers in total. And mm -hmm. we say, okay, can you just do all of it? Rather than say, hey, I want my kid to sit 
in this class. I want to be here too, though, because I, I feel like this is an area that I am not as well versed in as you, yeah. but there are other things that I know. And I want my kid to know that I am, I'm with my kid. Like yeah. I'm not just sending my kid off. Yeah, definitely. There has to be ways to make those connections, you know, uh, far too often, you know, the parents are maybe just, just dropping them off. And I think the parents have to, have to see how valuable it is for yes. them to be involved, even in, in, in the youth group, if there's a youth group at the church, that they should be keeping tabs on what's going on and involved to a certain extent. You know, it can't just be, uh, okay, y'all go over there and we're going to go to big church and, and, you know, we'll see you afterwards. There should be some linkage. And I, even talking to uh, youth pastors, they they desire that. Yeah. They desire yeah. that. They don't want to be the ones that are responsible for the sole discipleship of the children. They also believe, the ones I've talked to, that it's the parents' job. Yeah. And they want to come alongside the parents to help them out, you know, but not have the primary role. And I think the reason that youth pastors, youth ministers feel that way is because they've seen how destructive it is for the parents to retreat. Hmm. I think they've realized that... Um, one night a week or maybe twice a week is not enough. And, and so they say, and we've, we've said this before, but you know, the youth pastors are like, well, the parents show up and they expect us to work miracles. Like, how are we yeah. going to do that? Yeah. So I think all of these things, getting back to the original question, all of these things have contributed to, I think the feeling that shaping worldview should happen outside of the context of the home or mm-hmm. that it should happen outside of the authority of the home. Parents feel like, well, I, I can't, I can't teach math. Mm-hmm. I can't teach science. I, I can't teach all of these things, including doctrine and theology. How in the world could I possibly teach worldview? Yeah. Now, the thing that's troubling to me about this, and you kind of alluded to this, you said, well, maybe they're talking about a Christian school. Yeah. I'm being, I'm being charitable. I think I think maybe just a little <laughs> bit um, too much because I, I don't I don't I mean, think... I, I just would think born again parents... You know, if they're saying that we're leaving our, you know, um, worldview, biblical worldview training to the school, maybe they're attending Christian schools and they feel like, you know, they have a solid take on, you know, what's biblical. Like, I just can't see leaving it to public schools, just just to... Not a Man, I, I I hope that you're right about that. I would I would think that based on how thorough Barna is with his research, yeah, I would think that he would have that as a footnote. Yeah. Now, maybe that's not an option, you know, and so maybe you're being pretty astute and making that <laughs> observation. Like maybe maybe you're being really astute and making that observation. However it goes, though, we know that the majority of Christian kids are being educated in the public school system, yeah. not in a private school context. So yeah. I would imagine that you've got a good amount of these born again Christian parents who believe that the school they send their kids Man, to. That's amazing to me. Is going to in some ways shape worldview. I mean, especially when you consider what the schools are teaching these days. Like worldview or biblical worldview? Worldview. Just generally. Okay, because I think we were saying biblical worldview. Really? Yeah. Okay, no, it's worldview in general. Okay. Worldview in general. And I I say specifically, we want to shape biblical worldview. Okay, okay. Okay, here here is the quote. This is from uh, Barna's book, Raising Spiritual Champions, okay? Barely half of born-again parents, 53%, argue that they have a primary responsibility um, or that they have the primary responsibility for their child's worldview development. Mm -hmm. About one quarter of them assign that duty to schools. Far more frequent an answer than those who selected their church, which came in at 3%. Mm -hmm. So I think just thinking worldview, how how you see the world. I can see that. You know, I thought we were saying biblical worldview, and I'm mm-hmm. like, 
how are you? Oh <laughs> yeah, no, that's an important distinction to train in biblical worldview. Yeah, no, that's worldview? a great oh, distinction. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I, I don't understand even how why Christian born again parents would want you know, to leave it up to the school to train their children in mm-hmm. worldview. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Because think about what the world's view is. Right. Like, think about oh. what is being communicated to kids. And I was reading this article that I want to bring it, bring into the discussion and then want to play a video clip here. Um, in states like Texas, right, where there are a lot of people who would be celebrating, and certainly down in Florida, there are a lot of people who are celebrating the removal of critical race theory from school curricula, and mm. and rightfully so, right, because it sends a it sends a message that hey, we're not going to teach kids lies, mm-hmm. we're going to allow kids to maintain or to retain. Um, their innocence for as long as we can. We're not going to taint them. Um, we're, we're not going to teach them hate, mm-hmm. right? You think of um, sexual ideology. We are not going to rob kids of their innocence. So when we hear these things or we read about, you know, um, laws that get passed in states, we think that we're out of the woods mm-hmm. and we think that everything is okay. But there's some information coming out now that even in public schools in Texas, hmm. okay, yeah. I feel like people are like Texas. What and barbecue? I know. <laughs> right. I know. What in brisket? <laughs> what in smoked brisket? <laughs> Man. What in Bucky's? <laughs> right. Texas. Look, oh, you guys do Bucky's. a lot of things right. Bucky's Man. is one of them. Yes. Shout if you have not, if Bucky's. you, man, if you have not traveled through Texas, and I think there's some in um, Alabama. Or North Carolina, yeah. they're spreading yeah, they're, out. They're, they're, yeah, okay, we places. have digressed, and it's horrible. There's one coming to Mississippi. Bucky's, <laughs> you will you will never ever want oh, to go to another gas station. Bucky's is more than a gas station, though. It's That's a, so true. I didn't mean experience. to downgrade. I'm sorry. It's an experience. You're right. You're right. Well, how so, do we get on that? Okay. Texas. Back All to right. It. So Texas, talking about public schools here. <laughs> this is an article from um, the Daily Signal. Public schools in Texas continue to teach racially discriminatory content to children in violation of state law and without parents knowing. Um, an entity, wow. Accuracy and Media, um, their president, Adam Gillette, said in an exclusive interview with the Daily Signal, quote, what we found in Texas is almost worse than anywhere else in the country. Mm. Wow. Now, I want you to think about that oh in terms of, OK, who's shaping worldview? And you think about the comfort and the security that parents might feel like my kid goes to a really great school in Texas. You know, my kid and and we've got a great governor that has driven out the mockers in schools, if you will, <laughs> like that. You know, we don't have these um, these ideologies that are being um, perpetuated in our school system. But the reality is that they do. And so I want to bring in this hmm. video and just kind of have a conversation around it, because you've got you've got schools in Texas that are saying, look, we don't call it the thing that it is, yeah, but it's the thing that it is, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't say this is what we're teaching, but this is actually what we're teaching. Okay, so let's take a listen, and then let's just kind of have a conversation around this. Adam Gillette with Accuracy in Media, and today's Hidden Camera Investigation takes us to Corpus Christi, Texas, where yet again, we met with unaccountable administrators who think they can do whatever the heck they want regardless of the law. After all, at the end of the day, as they always tell us, they can just close the door and do what they think is right. I wish you could meet the assistant superintendent, the uh, Dr. Porter, because she and I are, uh, you know, on the same, feel the same politically, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, yeah. we have a lot of power because of where we are, and so yes. we're very open to that, and we'll support teachers that are as well. You're confident that your teachers would close the door and teach what's right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Regardless of what the new laws. The battle of public education is made up of lies and half truths. Let me just stop right there. Mm. So what's interesting to me about what we see happening mm -hmm. is that you've got this sort of undercover operation happening, and the teachers and the administrators are saying, "Hey, even though we've got a law in Texas, mm -hmm. um, our teachers are going to teach what's right." Mm -hmm. So what is presented there is that our ideology is right. Yeah. Like what we believe about ethnicity and what we want to teach about systemic racism and and what we want to teach about oppressed people groups and how people are oppressed and the systemic oppression of this country. They're saying that is right. Mm. So it doesn't matter what laws get passed in this country. We are going to teach what we want to teach. Mm. I think that's incredibly troubling, especially, again, going back to our understanding that 25% of parents believe that it's the school's responsibility wow. to teach worldview. Yeah, man, that's 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 shocking. That's shocking. And I think, man, we got to do better. You know, um, I know 53% is, is good. It's more, more than half or whatever. But, man, you know, that, that 20, 23, 25%. Yeah. Oh, man, you know, and I... I there has to it has to be the disconnect of the parents feeling that they are the number one um, that that that's their number one job. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it has to be the mindset that these are the experts and they are able to train them mm -hmm. in worldview. You know, and the thing is, man, we can't think any, like when we were in school, and even then, it wasn't like what it was supposed to be. But man, now today, man, this is all the marbles. Yeah, man, as you <laughs> yeah, often you say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we have to be extra vigilant. Uh, when it comes to this and and ownership of that is is, is our part. You know? So let's listen to a little bit more of this and, and listen to a little bit more of the deception and the way that it's happening in classrooms, because I think this becomes instructive in the way that parents need to be vigilant. Like mm -hmm. how, how, how can I be vigilant? How can I protect my kid? One of the ways that you do that is by knowing that the teacher that maybe you trust mm -hmm. is not putting it on a billboard, what they're doing, but they are doing something. So yeah. let's listen put on to us by administrators. They talk about how they don't teach critical race theory, meaning they don't teach the grad school version of it. They only teach the principles associated with it. And here, another administrator told us they don't teach the 1619 project. They just teach the principles associated with it. I will say we probably don't say 1619. I'm, okay. I'm just going to be upfront. Okay. I've listened to it. I think a lot of teachers have. Uh huh. But are we directly teaching that? We really aren't. Oh, okay. You know, so that we're not, right? But are some of the concepts in there and the way we're teaching it, are they in there? I would say yes. Okay. Why does get so quiet? Well, because we want to be off the radar. They want to be off the radar. They're whispering <laughs> because... The 1619 project is the bad word. Right. Okay. But they're actually doing the thing. They're, they're actually they're doing it. teaching the principles. They're actually teaching the right. thing. But that's that's what you're not supposed to know. Right. right. Like and you think about that. So they're not they're not calling it the 1619 project, but what they are doing is actually teaching its principles. Mm. Which what is it if it's if the principles are not the thing? Right. Right? Like there's an ideology that's just, attached so, to that. Be, like let's be honest, you're teaching it. That's what you're doing, you know, you know? and then and so she it's amazing, you know, these people, how they, you know, she kind of whispers 1619 project like we, <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to actually be teaching that, but we are teaching the principles. And guys, listen, that's multiplied across schools across Texas. Mm. So that's not a, that's not a one off type thing. Wow. Why is that concerning? 
that is concerning because when you talk about allowing schools to shape your kids' worldview, the results are dire. Yeah. Like, like the results are not good. And the, and I'm going to say this now, the results are not good eternally either. Because what we find is that you've got kids who are being confused because they're being socially transitioned. And why are they being socially transitioned? Be under the guise of anti-bullying laws, where the parents are being told that you can't opt your kid out of this indoctrinating course. You can't opt your kid out of this book reading. You can't opt your kid out of this assignment. And why can't you do it? Because, you know, anti-bullying, because we need kids to be sensitive to other kids. There's going to be like, you know, one kid in our school there's going to be one kid in our school who is confused over his or her sexuality. And so the rest of the 250 or 400 kids all need to know how to deal with that one kid. Wow. Like all of them need to be indoctrinated so that they learn sensitivity in dealing with that one kid. So all of the all of the school and all of the classes have to then be altered to accommodate the one kid. Now you think about that, then let's go a step further. If we are allowing the school system to shape worldview in our kids, then no wonder we have the kinds of adults we have in the larger society in just a matter of years. Wow. Because those kids don't stay confined to those schools. Right, right. Like they grow up and they, they get the jobs. Yeah, they become the politicians. They become they, you know, the leaders in society. They be, they they go out and have places of position uh, of, of influence. Yes, you know, and so they're going there with that mindset that they have been given that worldview that they have been trained in. You know, from school. Yes, you know, man, it, it's it's we have to play the long game. We have to understand yes. that as as parents, as Christian parents, you know, like the work that we are putting in now, the benefits are for the long run, you know, and I know now it seems like, man, it's, it's just so tough. That's, I mean, there's so much in this culture mm -hmm. that's pressing in, you know, on our children. But man, we have to keep in mind, you know, uh, the long game, like, man, that we are seeing them as arrows that we're going to shoot out into this culture and they're going to be able to make a difference if we train them on the front end. Mm, yeah. And that's the thing. It's it's training them on the front end. It's understanding what's at stake. It's understanding, you know, that their eternities hang in the balance. And I don't mean that to sound like sensational language, but when you've got things that are actively being taught that are antithetical to the faith, then you do have eternities hanging in the balance. Like, you know, if our kids believe that the word of God is authoritative, like let's understand what we're talking about when we talk about public education. We are talking about an educational system that begins with the assertion that God is not. Mm. And, and if you make some kind of accommodation for that, maybe God is, we say, but he's not relevant to your education though. Okay. If in case, so, so if he is now they begin with the assertion and everything that they're doing that God is not, but they say, but if your parents want you to believe that, okay, then if he is, he's not relevant to your education and really you should only care about him on the weekends. Like do that mm -hmm. on your own time. That's, mm -hmm. that's how secular education begins. It, it begins denying the knowledge of God, right? Man, Pew Research had a study um, or did a survey last year where they wanted to know what parents' expectations were of their education for their kids, like mm -hmm. the system that their kid would be in. And I found it really interesting, and I couldn't pull out all of the data because it was a lot of data, but I did pull out some of the data that I thought was worth having a conversation around. And here's one of the points. About two-thirds of parents say it is extremely 
or very important to them that their children's school teach them um, or teaches them to develop social and emotional skills. Mm. So two thirds of parents want their kids to be taught social and emotional skills. And you go back and you start doing the research about what is involved in the mm-hmm. teaching of the social and emotional skills. And we learn that they're yes, teaching yeah. things like <laughs> empathy, mm-hmm. meaning that you put yourself in the shoes of someone else to be able to feel with them, which means that you cannot disagree with anyone because it may be hurtful. So what it does is it normalizes a type of fragility in our children wow. that makes it impossible for us to deal with them. Like it's impossible yeah. because anything, because words are violence. Yeah. Because to disagree with someone is to dislike them. Yeah. Like you can't say, <laughs> well, look, I, I like you and, and I, and I appreciate your point of view, but I disagree. No. When social emotional learning is taught, that is not an option because what is exalted is empathy. And that means that you've got to suspend any conviction that you have in order to identify with what the person is feeling, even if what the person is feeling is wrong or irrational. So now again, go, go back to our original um, position here that you've got 25% of born again, Christians believing that it's the school's responsibility to teach worldview to their kids. What, what view of the world are they going to be teaching? Right. Here's something else that Pew found. Parents of K-12 students have mixed views about whether public school teachers should be allowed to lead students in prayer. Okay, so here we go. About half of parents, 52%, say this shouldn't be allowed in any form, while 27% say leading students in Christian prayers should only be allowed if prayers from other religions are also offered... <laughs> And 19% say that it should be allowed even if prayers from other religions are not offered. Look, let me, I'm, what I'm going to say is going to shock you, right? I really don't trust just random people praying for or with my kids, hmm. people that I don't know. Because I don't know, if I don't know what you believe about God, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want you leading my kid right. in religious instruction. I really <laughs> don't. And so I would say, no, and especially if it comes along with, well, then also we must offer up other prayers. No. So, so, so now we say, well, we want, we want prayer back in school. And people are like, okay, well, us too. <laughs> we want prayer. Okay, so well, what, then what do you want to pray? Well, the question is, <laughs> to what do we want to pray? That's the question, right? So the, the bottom line is that the safest bet for parents is to undertake the full shaping as God has entrusted to them mm-hmm. of their kids worldview. Yeah. And to do that with the straight edge of God's word. Amen. Amen. And that way you will know what they are getting. You Amen. Know? Uh, man, we, we have, we, we can't have the mindset that others can do it better. No, absolutely you know, we not. We can't have that, that mindset. As a matter of fact, God has equipped us to be able to do it for our particular children. You know, he's placed everything within us to be able to do that. And so we have to get away from that mindset of the expert, like they know uh, best. And, and, and it's not me. Right. That the expert knows best, and it's not me. One other point from this Pew um, Research Survey from last year, um, most Democrat parents and a plurality of Republican parents would prefer that their children learn that there are safe and effective methods of contraception. Now, now why is that important? Because you've got the majority of Democrats who want their kids to be taught safe methods of contraception and a plurality of Republicans who also want that. 
So if we are shaping worldview, Hmm. then we don't begin with the fear of God that teaches abstinence until marriage, that marriage is the only context so that where you carry out or fulfill any of your sexual desires. So, so, but all of us, and I say all of us looking at this Pew study here, Hmm. want, regardless of political affiliation, our kids to be taught about contraception. Wow. What does that presuppose? It presupposes that they are engaging right. in sexual activity. Right. Like, <laughs> so this is how our culture has declined and it has reduced the standard of conviction even among Christians. Mm-hmm. This is tragic. Look, the safest bet is for us to take up the mantle of transferring worldview. And for us, presumably, that's going to be a biblical worldview. Yeah, yeah. Man, that, that, that's something, you know, because we're saying in essence that, you know, we know that our children are going to do this and that. But that's not giving them, you know, a chance, <laughs> you know, and we're supposed to be Christians. Like we should put out out front the biblical mandate like that. The Bible says this, you know, why would we wait on the worldview from the world, from the public school system to to reinforce, you know, their view? Which is wrong, man. It's wrong, <clears throat> and so we get what we get, you know, because we rely on them to shape the worldview. Listen, man, it's it's, it's tragic. I have, I have had exchanges with parents online, and one in particular that I can remember in person saying that, no, we don't want our kids to engage in premarital sex. We agree that it's wrong, mm. but we want our kids to be safe. Right. So that's the lie. Like, that's the cloak. It's like I'm doing this to protect my kid. Talking about contraceptives, Mm -hmm. talking about teaching things like protection and all of that. And and it's like, no, but what you are saying, what you are indirectly and maybe directly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But what you are saying to the kid is God has set a standard, but you're really not obligated Mm -hmm. to try to live by that standard. So here is your backup. Here, here is the provision for the flesh, which, which the Bible teaches us not to make any provision for the flesh. That's right. But we, we are doing this as parents. We are saying, look, I just want to provide um, a backup for you because I anticipate that you are going to rebel against God. Mm. And again, remember, this is the preferred Man. worldview of the public education system. Yeah. So what, wow. so what do you, like, what do we do as parents? Well, we've got to resist. Yeah. We've got to resist the 53%. That number needs to come up because remember when we're talking about this Barna research, specifically Barna is talking about born again, parents. Mm. So 53% believe it's their job to teach worldview, to pass on a worldview or to shape worldview in their kids. That number has got to come up yeah. born again, Christian. It is your job. It is your job to teach your kids the truth about who God is. You, the gospel's first stop is inside your home. Amen. That's the that's that's the first stop for the gospel inside your home, Amen. and then it goes from out out outside there, right? Like that's. But it's got to start in your home, and it's got to start with your children. That is good work. That is vital work. It's work that should be celebrated and protected. Mm-hmm. All right. Look, we're out of time. When we resist the cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless.